podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to Further Love of Paul McGrath podcast. And yeah, it's that time of year again. That time I was going to say it's like Christmas, but it is actually just after Christmas when the transfer window opens up again. January transfer window time. And uh, we're going to be coming to you with a couple of series on basically anyone that we're linked to, or, and some people that we won't even be linked to as well. Uh, some people that we just think will be a good fit for Aston Villa Football Club. And God knows we need players and Stephen Gerrard is going to want to sign players that will come in and complement his way of of playing and, and, and his style. And um, the first person we're going to take a look at today is uh, somebody in a position I think that is needed for Aston Villa Football Club. I think we do need competition at left back. I think we need competition in the whole lot of defence at the moment, as do we need it. We probably need competition if truth be told, we probably need one player all the way up the field, one defender, one midfielder, one striker, I think, uh, if we are to to push on up the league. But we're going to take a look at uh, at a left-back called Nicolas Tagliafico, um, Argentinian, uh, Argentinian international. Apparently, he's fantastically good friends with Emi Martinez as well. They're supposed to be really, really good mates. Um, and uh, Tagliafico has been playing with, with Ajax in the Eredivisie for the last number of years and has been a standout player there. And we're going to take a look at some of his stats in a moment. And we're going to take a look at maybe there's a couple of questions around him. Um, the fact that he was a late bloomer. Why was he so late coming to Europe? And also, why is he not getting a game for Ajax at the moment? So we're going to take a look at a couple of those. Uh, prior to, to taking a look at some of his statistics, Nicholas Tagliafico probably should be playing in the Premier League right now as we speak um, and not be waiting for a transfer in January. And the reason for that was that both Leeds and West Ham chased him very, very hard in the off-season just gone. And uh, West Ham actually had a bid accepted for him Depending on who you look at, depending on who you talk to, and depending on what you read, it's anywhere from between 10 million and 12 million that the bid was accepted for. And essentially, he was supposed to sign for West Ham on deadline day. But due to some agent issues, uh, his agent being in one place and the player being 5,000 miles somewhere else in Venezuela while being away with the national team, uh, it never transpired. And West Ham moved on. And they signed Nikola Vlasic and that guy from Spartak Moscow, whose name, Alex Kral, I think his name is, um, that uh, escapes me. Now, while they are not players that will play in the exact same position as uh, Nicolas Tagliafico, they are. Uh, there were players that they moved on that they signed uh, that they signed uh, on, on deadline day as well. Will they go back in for him again in January? Who knows? But we're going to focus on Aston Villa and Aston Villa's uh, and Aston Villa's chase for him because. You know, you read anywhere from 2018 upwards, he's been linked with quite a lot of the big teams in England. Yeah, Arsenal, United, Chelsea, they've all been linked with signing Tagliafico to come in and to play as uh, as their left back, or at least have a shot at playing as their left back. 
So as I mentioned, I do have some statistics that I wanted to show you with regards to Tagliafico. What would it be a transfer podcast? But don't look at the facts and figures to try and figure out who he is and what he is. So let me just add these to the stream. So as we said, Nicholas Tagliafico is an Argentine, uh, and, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If anybody is Spanish and can give me the correct pro pronunciation of it, I would absolutely love that, please. But he's Argentinian. Uh, he's five foot eight. He's left footed. He's twenty nine, and he won't be thirty until the start of next season. So, I mentioned he was a late bloomer, and he was somebody who came to to Europe later than than most to do when they come from from uh, South American football. And you know, he he kind of I kind of told a lie when I said that because he was on loan with Murcia in the in the Spanish second division, and um, for a period of time. When he was playing with uh, playing in Argentina, he did go on loan, but it wasn't until he played he, he played uh, for Independiente that he he actually really hit the heights, and uh, then obviously a move to our, to Ajax transpired, and I think he moved for something like three point five million pounds. So uh, he was uh, definitely, as I say, somebody who who came late in his career. He was twenty four years of age when he did join uh, join um, Ajax. Since then, he's played under uh, the likes of Peter. Uh, he's he's played under some some different managers, but obviously playing at the moment under Eric Ten Hag, and he was a stalwart last year in 2021. He played all 42 games with 42 starts. He scored one goal and he had three assists. And his discipline record is he's a bit of a rash tackler, and that's something that we're going to get on and talk about from what I've seen from him. He had nine yellow cards and one red card last season. Uh, in the Eredivisie, when he was, you know, like it's it's the ninth best league in league in Europe. It's actually I, I was blown away when I read that today. The Eredivisie is classed as the ninth best league in Europe, behind the Belgian league and behind uh, Russian league. And I suppose that's really do, just done on coefficients. But we know that Ajax are going to produce some fantastic players. They they just do and. No matter what the actual state of play is in the league, they seem to continually churn out players who can play at the top level. Whether they're players that bought in and look to sell on, which is a very big model that they're in at the moment, taking a look at David Neres, uh, Anthony, that they have in their team at the moment, or whether they bring players through, like a guy <laughs> that Aston Villa don't have a hope in hell of signing, but if they did, we should all be jumping off our seats in Ryan Gravenbach and uh, somebody like Nicholas Tagliafico, who's, who's obviously been bought in and they're looking to move him on. And it's really interesting why... We, we'll come back to the stats in a moment and we'll come back to look at, at, at him in a moment because a lot of people who have seen them on Twitter are going, why, why isn't he really getting a look in this year? And we will look at last year because last year he was statistically very, very good. And they're similar to the stats that he had previously. He actually built on those in the year previous, but I don't have those stats available at the moment. But he's he's not really getting a look in this season. And, and, and it all stems back to the fact that, I think it stems back to the fact that he wanted to leave in the summer. He wanted to leave to come to play in the Premier League. And it didn't transpire and, and even Mark Overmars, the director of football, has come out and said, well, it was probably his time to leave. And it was it was a strange enough interview that he gave because he actually name-checked David Neres as well and said it was his time to leave. And it was looked like they wanted to sell them to recoup money so that they could maybe buy other players themselves. It looked like he was basically shopping those two players in the summer. Um, and Eric Ten Hag has come out and basically said, look, that it's probably his time to leave and it's time for time. It's probably his time for him to leave, should I say. And uh, they looked like they were trying to actively sell him, and it never transpired. And since then, Ten Hag has played uh, Daily Blind, 
uh, on the left hand side, obviously Daily Blind, the, the Ajax is synonymous with the family name, and uh, he's he's played him a small bit more, probably because I think there's been a breakdown between player and manager with regards to this move not transpiring at that period of time. Now, it's not all on the Ajax side as to why the move didn't transpire. Some of it was on the West Ham side as well, from the fact that they wanted a loan with an option to buy. Ajax didn't really want that. Ajax wanted a full-on purchase. And then there was medical issues as well. So there was a squabble between the teams. And um, since then, Tagliafico has... He's still playing for Ajax. I think he's played about nine games this season. He's still featuring and playing, but not as regularly as he did the season before. So there's a small bit of context as to why. And I just wanted to get, get that out there from, from what I've read and what I've seen on, uh, on some of the reports with regards to him. What's he like when he plays? Well, you can look at him there. He is primarily a left back. He's played 14,890 minutes as a left back. That's between the years of 2016 and 2021. And I've taken those years because that's when that playing in Europe, I think it was, it was quite important to, to just take the time he was playing in Europe for, uh, I suppose, just apples to apples comparisons. Uh, he has played some time at centre back, uh, 1,889 minutes. He's five foot eight. Would I really want to see a five foot eight centre half? It's not impossible. I'm five foot eight myself. I'm not going to say that I was. Uh, I would be able to play centre half. But you see players like Fabio Cannavaro. There is the exception to the rule. Javier Mascherano have played in there. Um, he's predominantly a left back, regardless whatever you try and spin it. He does have some versatility, is what I would say here. But he is primarily going to be a left back. Um, looking at his statistical output, and also looking at some of the scouting uh, scouting metrics that were that, that that I found on some of the some of the the, the applications that I'm subscribed to, um, he is pretty similar to two players that uh, are, you know, they're, they're pretty much ripping up European competition at the moment. The one is Robin Gosens, and the other one is Reese James. Now, obviously, they're the upper echelon that they would be looking at, and it's very much statistically based an output and output of of of, uh, of of what he's been doing on the field. And I thought it was interesting to put this because he, even his output, which I just realized I don't have on this slide, the output that he's put that he has within European competition is similar to to these two gentlemen and Robin Gosens and Reese James when they are also in European competition. So there is an apples for apples comparison there. And also it's very interesting to see Reese James in there as well because with his uh, with obviously the fact that he is turning into a premier wing back slash fullback within the within the Premier League. It's nice to see that they're similar players based on their output. And obviously Robert Gosson is someone who's hit the fame with Atlanta. He's playing with the with the German national team and he too has been linked with moves to the Premier League uh, to the Premier League top four as well. Um so looking at some of the statistics that he has there, it's very important I think to look because Aston Villa and the the, the Importance of interceptions to the Steven Gerrard model is quite important, and and when we look at these, um, I you t their interceptions per ninety, he's one point nine interceptions, so we call it almost two interceptions per ninety minutes, and that puts him in the ninety fourth percentile of all fullbacks across the top five leagues in Europe. So it's very important to look at where he where he fits within the percentile of um 
of of the top five leagues within Europe. And as you'll know, when we were doing the scouting the, the scouting series last season, it was important that we looked at that too because that is a good measure. At, at, while it doesn't take into account the strength of league and strength of opposition, it still is a good measure if he's getting through that amount of work, if that makes sense. Um, that's one thing that Nicolas Tagnifico is, is famous for. He is an energy player. He is everywhere. He loves to intercept. He loves to be up and down the field. He's He is more of a defender than he is a creator, but he can create. So uh, it may sound stere- it might, it may t- sound hypocritical when I'm going to say later on when I do talk about that, when I get these passing and uh, and the fact that he is a superb passer and the fact that he does get to the byline. But he w- he knows that he's, he's predominant job is to defend um he's also in the 85th percentile with tackles per 90 minutes uh he has almost three tackles per 90 minutes and once again these percentiles are one of the top five leagues in europe um he has he's been dribbled past once per game as well which is probably one of the areas that you can see here that he he needs to work on um, and it is something that will be worrying with him coming to the premier league from the defensive side of side of things because when you tally that up with his rashness, the amount of cards that he has, and the fact that he gets dribbled past more than than seventy five percent of the of the uh, the left backs in the top five leagues, you can see where his cards come from. And I think maybe that rashness is something the Premier League wingers will will maybe look to to exploit. But um, you know, it's the margins with regards to being dribbled past and, and the percentiles and 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 how the averages work over 90 minutes it's they're small margins but they're also important because when somebody's trying to dribble past you normally they're closer to your box and normally that means that you've that they when they've beaten you that they will create either a key chance or a a goal scoring uh action so uh it's not something it's something that i wanted to highlight here because it is a weakness within his game um, we all know that Steven Gerrard loves pressures, pressures whether they be high up the field or whether they be closer to, to, to our own defence. So with regards to pressures, he has 15.11 pressures per 90 minutes. That comes in the 76th percentile. His success rate for that is the important piece. So of those 15 per 90, he succeeds with 43%, which puts him in the upper echelon of all defenders within the top five leagues, as does his aerial dual success at 70%. Now, I mentioned five foot eight defenders and five foot eight center halves. And would he be able to do that? And was I comfortable with him doing that? I don't think I will ever be comfortable with him starting center half for a 10 game period in a row. He might be able to push in center half if we had somebody sent off for the plane, a back three as a center half, or if we had a massive injury list and playing a center half. He's there. He's there. He's 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 able to win his aerial duels. He will be good from corners, both in their box and in our box. He scored quite a few headers from corners himself in both the Champions League and in their divisi. So he's good in the air for a small man. Okay, one of those one of those often used cliches, um, which is a very big positive. Very big positive for him. When we look at his stats, his passing stats, should I say, he. He rounds out quite nicely. You know, he rounds out quite nicely for somebody that I would want at left back. Um, he's attempts you know, 66 passes per game, 65.79 are his, uh, his, his average attempts. 
keeps him in the top 86 percentile of of all uh, defenders in the top five leagues. Of those, he completes 54. He's completed 54 of his 65 um, attempted tackles per 90 minutes. Once again, keeps him in 87 percentile, which is really good. And you want to be able to keep, if you're completing completing that level of passing, uh, you know, per game, do we want it higher? Ideally, you want to be able to complete 100% of your passes. But look, we live in a rational world and the rational side of things would lead you to believe that some of them are going to go astray. Uh, specifically when you play high balls and and that's what we're going to look at later on but um you know i would be happy with having a a, a left back who can complete uh, uh complete passes within the 87 percentile of all the, of all left backs within the top five divisions an interesting one here and once again it's a small number of true balls but because he's a left back you don't expect left backs to play a lot of true balls but it is in his arsenal and it is in his armory and he does play it more than 96% of other left backs within the top five leagues. So he's willing to play it and he can play it because they have been marked as successful through balls. And and that to me is something that we need to start playing because we're Aston Villa have, have, even under Steven Gerrard, we tend to lose our way in games at times and we tend to always have to go wide and play these floaty crosses in. And, and I'm a bit sick of it, and I'd like to see somebody be able to play the ball through the middle a small bit. In, and why not start it with our with our fullbacks as Liverpool do on on, on such a regular occasion as well? Um, looking at his low pass percentage, so low passes are not like passes on the ground. They include passes on the ground, but they're also like passes. I think it's under under waist high is considered a low pass. But he plays 15 of those per 90 minutes, and that's uh, within the top 70, top 97 percentile among all left backs in the top five leagues. And with regards to high passes, he doesn't play an awful lot of high passes. Only 7.8 percent, only 7.8 uh, high passes per uh, 90 minutes. Now, once again, this is all relative because what you have to do as well is it's all well and good looking at these statistics specifically with passing stats, but that's one of the biggest indicators as to number one, how Eric Ten Hag plays. You know, he doesn't like ball, like high balls in the air, but then again, Steven Gerrard wants us to dictate possession. We haven't been able to do it under him just yet, but he wants us to dictate possession and he wants us to be able to get the ball down and play. So if you're looking to have a pivot in front and, you know, we tend to see an awful lot of the ball from our goalkeeper does go to Tyrone Mings or it goes to when we go wide to Matty Cash, it seems to be in the air. If we have another pivot player like someone like Tagnifico, so if we if he is playing tucked in a small bit more into almost that back three, allowing Cash to go forward a small bit, he could be that link man. We've just had the Brentford, or we will just have, I don't know what time this is going to go out, but we've, we will be talking about Brentford and about Ethan Pinnock and how he plays and that he is the, the receiver of the ball from the goalkeeper at times. And he can play almost as a pivot in that back three. Maybe Tagliafico can do that as well from the left back position because he's comfortable on the ball. And that's something that we need to bring into bring into um, into the team is more comfort uh, on the ball and, and, and I suppose more, more confidence. I think, on the ball as well, because we have some players who are very confident in the ball, and then we've got others who aren't, you know? And that's not a, a dig at Matt Target, because that's not Matt Target's game, but we do need something like that from, from other players within the team, or even just a tempo change, to be able to bring in somebody like this to change the tempo. Um, looking at the crossing statistics there as well, I mentioned that I'm beginning to get a bit sick of seeing us cross the ball in when we've got two strikers under six foot, six foot or under, sorry, should I say. It's it's beginning to get a, a, a small bit laborious because we aren't scoring goals. 
uh, from headers. And to be honest with you, a lot of the time we're seeing Emi Buendia get on the ball at the back post. And and like Emi Buendia, we talk about five foot eight Argentinians. There we go. There's another one in Emi Buendia. But he does cross at a, at a nice rate. Uh, 2.6 crosses per game, which puts him in the top two thirds of all uh, left backs within the top five leagues. Um, so that's kind of some statistical analysis with regards to Nicolas Tagliafico. Um, we look at these heat maps there. There's nothing really to write home about. They're exactly like a left back would have. He's going to maraud and he's going to be everywhere in and around that uh, that that left back position. I did mention previously, I said he's a bit more of a defender than he is going forward. You will look at tons of clips of him on, on YouTube where he will go forward and get into the box and play the ball, playing around the box. That's fantastic. And yes, he can do that. But what you'll also do is you'll also see the majority of clips for him will be when he's tracking back or when he's when somebody is trying to play the ball. And we go back to the fact that he's in the top 94 percentile of all left backs for interceptions. He's not afraid to put his foot in the ball. He's not afraid to get stuck in. He's got a really good way of going to ground and getting the ball. But then again, when he doesn't get the ball, he's a guaranteed yellow card. So when you look at my points of note to kind of uh, tie up Nicholas Tagliafico in, in, in a bow, my points of note are, he's a late bloomer. Don't let the 29-year-old tag put you off. A lot of people don't like 29-year-olds or older, that age of player. I personally don't mind them. But um, specifically when, when your team isn't full of them. But you could, like for a left back, you're still going to get four or five good years out of him. For him, he's a late bloomer. So what? Why, why this? So, so he doesn't have a lot of tread, in the, or he has a lot of tread in the tires, should I say, with regards to that. And he's going to... I wouldn't let it put put you off. You know, we've often seen early bloomers have have uh, flattered to deceive. It was Jack Wilshere's thirtieth birthday, I think, yesterday or today, and um, was around this time. You know, he's thirty and he's more or less out of the game. You know, late bloomers, early bloomers. There's always going to be exceptions to the rule, and Nicholas Tagliafico seems to be one of those because of the energy that he does play with, and uh, and he's very much an energy and endeavor player, and 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 he does get around the field very very well. And um, he's a superb passer of the ball. As left backs go, he's going to pass that ball for you. Very comfortable with it at, at his feet. He's going to try and bring people into play, passing it up the wings. He's going to carry the ball. I didn't put his carries in here because. It's it's only part of his game, but it's not the part of the game I think that Steven Gerrard would be as interested in. Um, but he does carry the ball and he can play those little one twos once he does get elevated into the into the attacking third. One thing uh both Dean Smith said before he left, and that Steven Gerrard has alluded to is that we lose the ball too easily in the attacking third. Um Having somebody like this who's calm, who can put her foot in a ball and pass it in around, maybe bringing people like Bundy into play. Uh, is going to be important, and uh, and that's something that he can do. So he does have a good range of passing uh, and accurate passing as well. I mentioned he's got some versatility. We've spoken about that already. I don't really particularly want to see that versatility, but in a push, it's there. I put it in as points of note. You will read in articles that he's played at centre-half. I think it's very important to look at what he's actually played in centre-half, and that is he's barely, like, what what's that? He's barely played 20 games there. 21 games, I think, if if my maths is right, just shy of 21 games in the last five years he's played there. So emergency centre half does have some versatility, probably better suited in the back three, but still it's worth it's a point of note for him. Rash tackler, as I say, will affect him in the Premier League. We know how easily penalties are given in the Premier League. We know how easily people go down in the Premier League, specifically wingers. And uh, you know, his nine yellow cards and one red card is something that I would uh 
you know, would make me a small bit uneasy. It's it's the only real red flag I could see with him is the transition to the Premier League from the Eredivisie. Now he does play at a decent level in South in South American football in the in the um in 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 the Copa America. You know, he does play at that decent level, and he is able to deal with these tricky customers looking to want to dive and to get in around the box. But still, it's it he gets dribbled past, and then when he gets dribbled past, he gets cards and. Look, it's always going to be something for your fullbacks. You want to have them on the field all the time, and you want to have them there um, specifically if they're going to be uh, a threat in both sides of the field as well. So, so for me, that is very much a point of note and something that I think, even if he does come into the Premier League, look, depending on where where he's going to be dribbled past, it, it's going to be heart and mouths at certain stages with regards to his tackling because some, while he is a very very good tackler, when it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Um, and lastly, he's great in the air. You know, how many times have we seen back post crosses last season? John McGinn at the back post having a left back that can mark his own back post and maybe mark people back there and be confident and get up. He's got a super spring uh, off the ground. Um, it's it's going to be a breath of fresh air, I think, in, for Austin McPhee in their box and for Austin McPhee in our box as well because he is a danger from corners at the opposite side of the field also. So that's going to do it for Nicholas Tagliafico. Whether we sign him or not, who knows? The price tag that was muted uh, in, in June, July, August, as I mentioned, was 10 to 12 million. I think that's a fine price for somebody who's got 36 Argentinian caps. And I think it's a fine price for us to pay for somebody who comes in with that experience and is somebody who can who, who can hit the ground running to a vast degree within, within the Premier League and, and in a position that arguably is, is one of the positions that we have Little to no help on in the field, um, outside of Matty Target. So for me, Nicholas Tagliafico is somebody that I think that we could see. Um, obviously, we've been linked with two left backs at the moment. Aaron Hickey is also another one. I do have a piece on him. I was going to release this before Nicholas Tagliafico, but I just really enjoyed watching this guy. Really enjoyed watching what he was doing. Really enjoyed putting it together. There was a lot of information there on him as well, so I wanted to get this one out, and Aaron Hickey will be coming later in the week along with uh, one on Oriel Romeo, and also... I have another one done and I can't remember it. So we're going to keep on trying to plug these ones out as best we can throughout the course of the next week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And uh, hopefully we'll strike gold and uh, it would be an interesting transfer market for Aston Villa Football Club. So before I finish, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody for listening. Thank you so much. If you could click the like button on this, if you could subscribe to the podcast, if you've not done so already, I would really, really, really appreciate it. But until next time, all that's left to say is here's to a fantastic transfer window and... Up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.